Good morning, everybody, and welcome to OP Radio. My name is Mac. I'm a content strategist at OP Labs. In case this is your first time joining OP Radio, this is a Twitter space slash podcast we hold weekly every Wednesday at 3 p.m. UTC on anything and everything in the optimism ecosystem. So we have another great episode lined up for you today with a really interesting guest. I'm super excited to get into it. But before I do, I, I have another colleague with me here. And I'd like to give her a chance to say hello. Hi, Vivian. How are you doing today? Hey, everyone. Vivian here. I am Max's colleague at Optimism, and I work with all of our fun centralized exchanges and wallet partners. And I'm ex- particularly happy to be here today with one of my favorite wallet partners, Rainbow. Yes, today's guest is none other than Mike, and he is a co-founder of Rainbow Wallet. And sorry, Mike, I, I kind of introduced you, but do you want to introduce yourself to the, the people on OP, OP Radio? GM, OP Radio. Hello, nerds. It's me. I'm Mike, one of the co-founders of Rainbow. Really hyped to be here. You know, big fans of Optimism, big fans of Vivian, big fans of Mac. Thanks for having me. It is our absolute pleasure. And yeah, we are really looking forward to this. So let's get right into it. To to hit this off, Mike, I want to ask you your definition of a, of a crypto wallet, because this is something that if you're kind of in crypto, I think people kind of understand, but it's actually not the most, not, not the most simple concept. So I'm always curious to hear, you know, especially from people that work on wallets such as yourself, like how would you describe a crypto wallet? Yeah, that's honestly not an easy question. I think that there's Adam. Uh, the the annoying answer is it's like a key pair, right? Um, it's just a, a a public private key pair. But I think that there is a lot of different types of wallets. I think that hmm, yeah, honestly, I think I think a key pair is just the best answer. I think that. Often, I think that really what I think what you're trying to ask is like, what is the definition of like, uh, of like the wallet, right? Like there's, there can, you know, a user can have many different wallets in their life, but, you know, primarily use perhaps one wallet or like certain wallets tend to sort of maybe be more like for for utilitarian use cases. Hmm. Totally. Yeah, I th- that's an interesting answer, a key pair. I think that's probably a more like technically accurate answer. But I think from a user perspective, people might conceive of them more as like, you know, I've heard descriptions like almost like your gateway to the world of crypto or your passport to the world of crypto. It's basically the way that you interact and interface with all these protocols in Web3. Man, yeah, I think I just gave you, I, I, I definitely overthought that answer, man. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. Like, No, but that's interesting. It's, about, I, there's okay. no wrong answer, to be clear. No wrong answer. Yeah. Yeah, no, but wallets are a prerequisite, right? Like you, you have to have a wallet in order to interact with any of the awesome, fun projects that, that you want to play with in Web3. Yeah, so, so it very much is like the portal. Awesome. Okay, so... That was great. And that I just want to set that up so people kind of have some understanding of kind of what we're talking about here for the rest of the conversation. So Mike, you and I chatted kind of briefly, but I want to get it get into it a little bit more here on air with your thoughts around really UX being this thing that's really going to help people onboard into crypto and you know get this next, you know, million, two million, whatever users using crypto. 
it's it's good UX. Could you could you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think that fundamentally, there's you know, I think that that cri- the the user experience of crypto has been quite difficult for a long time. It's definitely not been the most approachable thing. But we're very optimistic ooh, about the average person's ability to learn these core concepts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The analogy I always I always like to point to is is you know pe- people talk about how you know the average person might not be ready to self custody or like otherwise you know can't be you know taught how to responsibly yeah like self custody their keys. But the analogy I always like to point to is social security cards and social security numbers and how you know those those didn't exist until the mid century and the average person you know is able to or to comprehend right the sensitivity of of that number and and to not just like walk around with it on their t-shirt so it's like i i i am very confident in in the in people's ability to to self custody and really the the obstacle there is is just the user experience and essentially like making it more intuitive and, and to otherwise like guide the person on that path. Yeah. Totally. Well, while you were saying that, I just realized I have no idea where my social security card is, so I should probably figure that out. But yeah, a hundred percent totally agree. And I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but I can really see the care and the attention to UX with using rainbow. So I've been playing around with it for the, for the past week or so. And what I really like, what you guys have done and what I really like is that it's very simple. It, the, the app is not busy at all. I've been using the native app. There's a browser version as well. But the app is very not busy. And that to me is just a, a really good choice. I, th- I think too often in crypto, just like in, in <laughs> with technology in general nowadays, we're just bombarded with too many options. So yeah, I'm assuming that was a that was an intentional dis- decision on your end to sort of make this experience as simple and straightforward as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're actually, you know, we're always improving the app. There's a lot more coming to it soon. We've actually been working on making it like less busy than it used to be. But yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're it's at the end of the day, we're trying to make a, a product that that you use every day, right? And you know, it needs to be simple. I want to jump in there with kind of like a your take on the future of wallets and jumping way ahead here. But you know, we're on the topic of good. We're on the topic of good UX on you know making a better experience for all kinds of crypto users. And you're talking about self custody. Do you think things like no understanding what self custody means? things like a seed phrase, things like networks. Do you think that's something that users should have to interact with and actually understand what that means? Yeah, good question. So I, I think that I, I have different answers for you, some of those like sub questions. So like, you know, for example, do should users understand what their seed phrase is? Um, I think that like right now, the answer is yeah, but that like, I'm very excited about the future where, you know, users might not have to know about their seed phrase, like things, you know, with things like account abstraction. But as far as like networks, I think, I think about them slightly differently. I guess on one hand, I don't think that understanding the various trade-offs between networks, 
I don't think that that should be like a prerequisite or sort of like, I don't think that that should be like an obstacle that a user needs to kind of like, you know, grapple with before kind of getting started. But I, the way I think about it is that there are differences between networks. And I think that at the end of the day, the best case scenario is that users use this technology and have their money in these networks because they understand what they are, right? Like it, 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 it is all around better if the user is investing in the thing that they believe in. So I do think that um, there, a certain level of abstraction is 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 actually is it is you can abstract it so much that it actually hurts that point or it hurts that sort of like that you know core core tenant. So so I, I think that you know with Rainbow we definitely are not trying to abstract the networks completely away. We do think that they're important to it to understand like. You know, I think that, for example, the way I, I the way I personally think about networks is sort of like two in two buckets, and it's like networks that are safe for your net worth and networks that aren't. But yeah, I think that basically, I don't know. I think it's it's sort of like a new. I, there's probably like nuanced answers to sort of each each detail. You know, Mike, if I were to yeah. just sort of rephrase what I think you're saying, it's that. Yes, account abstraction, but you can take that idea too far. Like there's a happy medium with a degree of abstraction that you're aiming for here. I think so. Yeah. Because like you could, for example, like abstract it and like, you know, have the users funds like on Ethereum. Right. But then also have it on like, you know, Mike network, like, or like that, like, you know, is a POA chain that I, you know, it's like that I run from my laptop. Right. Like, and and even though those two things might be able to talk to each other in some way, they shouldn't be trusted to the same degree. And you shouldn't sort of like abstract the differences between those things like away so far that like users can't tell the difference between them. That makes total sense. And I wonder if either of you, Vivian or, or Mike, we use this term account abstraction and especially re- relating to wallets. Could we define that real quick? Oh man. Yeah. It's another, it's kind of another tough one. I know. Yeah. Listen, I mean, guys, I don't know if I'm the best person to define account abstraction. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like, uh, I don't have the the freaking textbook definition memorized at this point. That's okay. In in your own words though. Yeah. The way I think about account abstraction is essentially like, you know, Ethereum uses an account model and traditionally there's like two types of two types of like accounts. You can have like an EOA account or a smart, smart contract account. And there's different sort of like constraints on both. And basically with account abstraction, a lot of the, yeah, like basically a lot of the best benefits of smart contract wallets can become like fully unlocked and you can do cool things like, you know, create, key like separate keys for every for every dap that you engage with you can do things like create like complex you know combinations of transactions and have them submitted as like a single transaction like that kind of stuff it's basically like having a wallet with superpowers nice yeah i can i can add to that a little bit and i'm like the least technical person probably at optimism but the like at the most basic level what mike was explaining with eoas which is 
externally owned accounts and smart contract wallets, like two different ways of setting up wallets. And with, with account abstraction, the evolution is so that it abstracts away the account, which like super simplifying one of the benefits is that you won't have to have a seed phrase in order to have the same, in order to have, you know, a, a wallet, right. And like the wallet is your front end. And there's a lot of things that right now without account abstraction that there are limitations. So with account abstraction, you know, you don't have to have a seed phrase, you can bundle transactions and there's a bunch of other benefits that I won't go into right now, but it's, it's kind of like the, where the industry kind of sees the evolution of wallets going in order to improve that user experience. Yeah. And I'll add my own, probably even the, the, the least intelligent conception of, of account abstraction, which is just that you are exposed to the things that you care about and not to the things that you don't. Is, is basically how I kind of conceive of it in my sort of Neanderthal kind of way. Okay, great. Thank you for that. And, and sorry for the curveball, but, but I was genuinely curious to hear two smart people explain that concept. So I would like to bridge now to a slightly different topic, which is, Mike, you and I also chatted a little bit about this concept that I've found true in life and certainly true in crypto, that oftentimes the best way to learn about something is to actually just use it and experiment with it. Has that been your experience? 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really bad at math and I am one of those types of people who like just simply can't, I hate reading white papers. I never get anywhere with them. And yeah, so it's like in, in crypto, I've always, I've always like learned how stuff works by playing with it. And yeah, to me, the most exciting thing about layer twos has been kind of the rebirth of, of like experimenting to learn, right? Where in the early days of Ethereum, like when I got into the space, really, which really wasn't even that early, it was like in, in 2018, you know, in 2018, like you could, you could play around on mainnet and it would cost like less than, like way less than a dollar in transaction fees. And, you know, when Uniswap V1 came out, the way that I really wrapped my head around how Uniswap worked was by playing with it and, you know, depositing some liquidity and seeing what happened, you know, and, you know, if I made a mistake, I'd withdraw and do it again because uh, transaction fees were like 10 cents or whatever. So to me, the coolest thing about layer twos is kind of bringing back that opportunity to play around with things, you know, for very low cost in, in order to learn. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And um, yeah, I, I've seen this played out, not just in crypto, but other areas in life. I really, I, I'm really a huge proponent of this. If you want to, if you want to learn something, there's no substitute for just doing the thing and you will learn about it and usually get better at it the more you you use it and do it, you know? So if you want to learn a new language, I always recommend just immerse yourself in a place that speaks that language and only that language. And if you want to learn about crypto, yeah, there's a, a lot of material you can read and, and everybody has different styles of learning, but I'm the same way, Mike. Like I like to go in there and for me to wrap my mind around something, I need to be able to like play with it and use it. And yeah, I thought that was really interesting what you said about layer twos now, basically kind of lowering the barrier of entry or, or lowering, yeah, ma just making it easier for people to to try this stuff out again. Hell yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited about that, like ramping up even more. I think that there's kind of, um, 
you know, there's still more work to be done. Like I'm, I'm really excited seeing more adoption of layer twos by the protocols that I, you know, use the most. And I'm excited for that to continue. Excited to see more like NFT infrastructure on layer twos as well. Because I really think that that, that's been sort of like a chicken and egg situation for a while now. You know, wait, kind of like layer two NFTs have, have, it's been slow to start, but I'm really excited about, about that ramping up here. Yeah. So many questions for you, Mike. <laughs> okay. Layer two is like, you know, I've known for a long time, you're a big proponent of layer twos. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Like, why, why are you so bullish on layer twos? And then like specifically optimism, we've worked together for a while now. What do you what do you think makes optimism like stand out versus other layer twos? Great question. I'm gonna say, yeah. So I mean, like we 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 made like a really explicit decision last year to like you know at Rainbow to lean very heavily into layer twos and make sure that we support layer twos and Rainbow as a you know first class citizen, right? So like we have a mandate. It's like all features that we work on now. We need to make sure that they have feature parity across the networks that we support. And the decision to do that was very much driven by kind of what I was just talking about, right? Like simply how layer twos, you know, the transaction costs are low enough that people can like experiment on them in order to learn. And that's really important to us. And that's like, you know, how we all got interested in this space was by playing around with it and, and learning from it. And we, you know, we want it simply like mainnet Ethereum is no longer like, that's not really economically viable to do that anymore on mainnet. So that's kind of why we leaned into layer two so much, but specifically optimism, like what I like most about optimism is I find the vision of optimism, like particularly the like one to two year vision of optimism, which is like, I, you know, I don't know, kind of a tangent, but it's like, I'm a big fan of one to two year visions in crypto because I often think that, or visions that extend on, you know, longer timelines than that, I think are a little bit like, basically, I think it's impossible to forecast more than a year or two. And I find optimism's I find optimism's vision for the next like one to two years to be quite compelling and and quite like you know what I mean like it's like well scoped and it's and it's like plausible and it's compelling. So yeah, I'm a big fan. You know, I watched the OP stack keynotes from DevCon, and I've been very OP stack pilled, I'd say. But yeah, I'm a big basically I'm I'm a big believer in in kind of the the mission behind optimism, you know, the goal to get, you know, roll up with security guarantee, you know, as close to possible as the security guarantees of, of mainnet Ethereum. Yeah. And, oh, and my other favorite thing about optimism is you guys have great branding. Hell yeah. Optimism and rainbow. It couldn't be a better. Great branding. Match. Great. Some, those are some two great brands right there. <laughs> power, power duo, power couple. <laughs> Vivian, you, I, Vivian, I'm going to credit you with this question. It's kind of spicy. It's also very interesting. And the question is, Mike, what do you think optimism can do better to engage with Rainbow's current user base? Ooh, that's interesting. What can they do better to engage with our current user base? That's tough. I don't know. I think that honestly, we've been doing a good job, Vivian, 
you know, strategizing and, and trying to figure out ways of, of working together. Let me think. And I, I can, know, I, I can reframe that question a little bit if it's like helpful at all. But so the way yeah. I'm thinking about it is like you, you talk about like why rainbow and you, the value that you see in optimism and like things like, you know, our OP stack and our decentralization roadmap, but like, I, I, I feel like the average user like doesn't really care about OP stack, but as you alluded to earlier, like the user should care about the network and like what the benefits and like what the ecosystem is about and probably like what optimism's values are about. So like, what are ways that we can share that message with your user base in the way that they would care? Mm, good question. Um, hmm. I think that, I don't know. I think that, you know, do you guys have a good Twitter account with just memes on it? Like, is there an Optimism Memes Twitter account? There used to be an did. unofficial one, but I, I don't think it's been very active recently. And we we certainly don't have an official one. I think that you guys might want to consider having an official one, I would say. Like, you know, if you're trying to reach, if you're trying to reach these kids out here, you got to have, you got to have an official meme channel. Saying that, I'm just laughing. we don't have an official meme channel. Rainbow doesn't, but I think you guys should. Yeah, I was just, I was chuckling a little while you're saying that because Benji, shout out to Benji. He's actually suggested that. So good confirmation for Benji's idea there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a better answer for you, Vivian. I don't want to like, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that you guys are doing a great job. Like, frankly, I think that, I don't know, I, where my head's at is, is thinking that there's a couple of like missing pieces sort of more on the builder side of things that I think can really like unlock like more fun experimentation. I guess I've been really fixated on NFT AMMs on layer twos as being something that like is, is really necessary for kind of the next like wave of, of experimentation with NFTs on layer twos. Like I think it's really important that an NFT AMM exists to kind of like foster that. So I've been, you know, I've been hassling the gang over at PseudoSwap and NFTX for a long time now, trying to get them to deploy. But yeah, that's all I can think of. Uh, yeah, I was just going to kind of go into the NFT direction because Mike, you and I have talked about that a lot. Totally agree with like, I think there's so much that can be done on layer twos with NFT, but I would love for you to share your background on like, how did you become kind of a pseudo NFT influencer? And like, how did Rainbow become like, the nft wallet yeah that's super funny because like i'm it's funny that some lists like have included me as an nft influencer because i'm really not like an nft influencer i think that i don't know i think that just being i've been on twitter for a long time and i've been in crypto since 2018 which apparently is now a long time and I guess, well, so it's easier to answer the question, like, how did Rainbow become, like, associated with NFTs or just, be, you know, like the NFT wallet? The answer there is a lot easier. So we, when we built Rainbow, like the first version of Rainbow, we always had support for NFTs, which at the time was very, like, contrarian. So when we built Rainbow in 20, when we started it in like 2018, 2019, People like publicly were calling us idiots for putting any time 
whatsoever into NFT support in our app because essentially there weren't any NFTs that were interesting. Really, it was just CryptoKitties. Like that was the only NFT that people were familiar with at all. And people didn't at that point, like didn't really find them that interesting. But to us, it was like really clear that, you know, there were obviously going to be more NFTs in the future. And to us, it was so really like we made the decision really early to support NFTs as first class citizens. And like that positioned us really well for when NFTs kind of started taking off. Right. But for like a long time, we had NFT support in the app and no one cared. So that's kind of the story of that, like how Rainbow got associated with it. But as far as like me, I think it's just that I've been on Twitter and I don't know, I guess, I don't know. Back like a long time ago, I I would like always talk about how I felt like, you know, if any crypto asset was going to be valuable in the future, that like crypto punks would be one of them just purely from the like historical perspective. Like, I think that like, you know, if, if any blockchains are going to survive, it's going to be like, you know, Bitcoin, Dogecoin and Ethereum and like some of these Ethereum NFTs. But yeah, I don't really know how I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm an NFT influencer to answer your question. Definitely not. I'm just some guy. Mike, can you maybe dig in a little bit more on the thesis? Like what gave you that conviction in NFTs so early? Can can you walk us through that? Yeah. So the thing to us that clicked was the power of Ethereum token standards. So, you know, we were thinking a lot about how to build the wallet and it dawned on us that really instead you know so we were kind of exploring the path of like hey like should the wallet be a develop a developer like platform right like should people like be able to build stuff into the wallet and kind of while while thinking that through it dawned on us well hey like the token standards themselves are the platform right like anybody can build you know, as long as they build their thing and it leverages, you know, token standards like the ERC-20 or, you know, 1155 or 721, then our product can support that, their thing, right? So so to us, it was just like, it was clear that we wanted to support the most popular token standards because we knew that supporting them opened up the opportunity for like, for like, like a broad set of use cases, right? Like as long as we supported NFTs, that no matter what kind of NFTs people would make in the future, right? Like we would be able to support them. You know what I mean? So it was, it's more about supporting like the token standard than it is about supporting like the use case of the token standard, if that makes sense. Interesting. And then you, but you've also paid some attention or a lot of attention to how NFTs will look in, in Rainbow Wallet, right? And I haven't, I don't have an NFT in mind, but I think they look pretty good. So that was an intentional oh, decision you, on your end as well. I'll send you a rainbow Zorb. Oh man, am I, am I going to join the Zorb club? I, I'll DM yeah. you after the space. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got you. Sorry. Yeah. The question is, why did we make it look so awesome? Was that the question? Yeah. Or it was just that, well, you guys, you clearly you were, you were thinking about this intentionally and that was an intentional decision to look these People are going to want to have a way to view these these sort of visual 
artifacts in wallet and so and they and because they are visual they they should look good yeah absolutely i mean at the end of the day yeah it's exactly that it's like these digital objects that very often are valuable right and if you have something that is so valuable it should look good right like it's this object that you that you care a lot about it should look good it should like you know there should you should be you should like like feel good when looking at it so yeah it's super important that it looks amazing and that it, that it has the best experience possible yeah i mean we we do some cool stuff on the with the interface where like you know the interface like a lot of the colors that we use for example are derived from the nft itself so that like you know when you open an NFT, it's like the interface kind of morphs to aesthetic. It's like complementing the, yeah, yeah, co- complementing the the colors. That's very cool. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, and I mean, we're we definitely have more exciting things planned for NFT support in the app. Excited about adding like some more like custom interface for different media types. You know, so it's like you know we currently support audio nfts like video nfts gifs etc but you know each one of those media types deserves its own its own kind of like custom interface you know like video should have little video player controls and stuff like that so we're excited about that that's kind of the future there very cool. And and you're segueing into directly into my next question which is I wonder you know with with what you're willing to share could you paint a picture for us of like what in your opinion is like the long-term vision for wallets? And this is the stuff that like, maybe you talk about internally, maybe, maybe it's a little wild-eyed, a little crazy. And so, yeah, anything you're willing to share beyond this customization with the different types of NFTs, anything else there? Yeah. Let me think, I guess, I think the way I want to answer this question is, so we, we've kind of had this long-term vision where we view the thing that, that excites me the most about crypto is how single player fi- speculative finance is essentially been like a Trojan horse that gets the average person to have a key pair in their pocket, right? So what it what, what it's doing is it's using you know like the the draw of speculative speculative finance. To kind of get people to learn how to to you know leverage the power of of like public private key pairs. So the long term vision for us is that the average person, you know, the first and you know, if there's a financial app on the person's home screen, that first and foremost, it's it's an Ethereum wallet, and we think that you know eventually that you know most of our institutions and like that society itself is going to be fundamentally like reshaped by, by this technology. But so, yeah, I mean like the long-term vision for wallets is that like everyone has one and that it's like far more useful than just what we're doing, you know, what you're seeing today, like, and that it's use cases like broaden and expand to covering like government and institutions and like, you know, IRL commerce and stuff like that. I, I, think I love it. That's, you, that's a nice, big, yeah. grandiose vision, just like we're known to have at, at Optimism. So I can really relate to that. 
I was just going to say, so, you know, speaking of, of, of getting more people to, to use crypto and, and use wallets, there is some exciting news to share. Do you want to break it to the folks, something about maybe some incentives for using Rainbow Wallet? Ooh, yeah. So it's very freaking sweet. But so Rainbow applied to Optimism Governance for a grant for 420 thousand and sixty nine op tokens to give away to rainbow users as rewards for using optimism so you know on monday this week we launched round one of op rewards in rainbow so anybody that uses rainbow to bridge or swap on optimism gets rewarded with op tokens so very freaking excited about this it's, I think, going to bring in a lot of people who simply have just been, you know, sitting it out or just like not necessarily had an impetus to, to, to kind of try, you know, some of the optimism ecosystem dApps. Yeah. So very excited about this. We're off to a great start. A lot of people have been, have been, have been bridging and swapping with Rainbow. We have a cool leaderboard as well where people, you know, the top 100 bridgers and swappers in Rainbow get, there's like additional bonus rewards for people who are the top 100. You can check that out. I think the top place, yeah, the top place, the person who ranks the top of the leaderboard gets like 8,000 OP, which is a lot of OP, but very exciting. And I'd say the last, uh, the last thing to share about it is, so right now it's round one of OP rewards in Rainbow. Round one, you know, lasts for three weeks. And then we will have two more rounds. And yeah, so like each each round is three weeks. So stay tuned for the next round. You know, we might remix sort of how it works or how the reward program works for round two and three. So stay tuned. Wait, yeah, Mike, are cool. you saying that there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? I cannot confirm or deny the existence of the pot of gold. <laughs> oh, that was good. Good one. Yeah, I literally just did this experience about an hour ago. I, I got in my Rainbow app. I did some swaps. And then there's a screen in the app that's the Optimism Rewards. You can see the rewards that you have coming to you. And you can also see this leaderboard that Mike described. And as he said, the top earner on this leaderboard, the, the person in first place, will be awarded 8,000 OP. And then there's other amounts of OP distributed to the other top 100. So very cool. And Vivian, I know you were instrumental in this incentive program, or, or you work closely with, with Rainbow to design it. Is there anything you want to add to that? I actually want to credit Michael for this because he was like the real instrumental person. And Michael and Tim from Rainbow, who worked on this and like iterating on this. And I think like generally how we think about OP incentives is like, we just, we want to see like what people like, what gets people excited about optimism. And then iterate on that. Like we're just trying to bring the best experience to users and get them get them interacting and optimism. So that's the goal. And I think this like the leaderboard was like a hundred percent Rainbow's idea and like super fun way to get activity going on. Yeah, I think that we're gonna it's gonna be cool watching round one to see how it goes and to iterate on this in the future. I think that we are gonna, yeah, like I think this can be really fun and bring in a lot of activity. And I'm really excited to see if, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that like the next rounds can get really interesting here. 
really excited about some of the stuff we're thinking about for the next rounds. But yeah, I also want to shout out Michael for everyone who's wondering. It's not me when Vivian says Michael. She's talking about wait, I think his name. Sorry, okay. yeah, yeah, Silverling. Silver it's Silver? Yeah, Silver, Silver Lane. Okay. Silverling. 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 And he's Michael here. I, I can see his... In the, yeah, I see him too. He's in the space. msilb7.bedrock, LOL. Guys, when <laughs> it is dot .bedrock, like, come on. Like, when can I, you know, that's so funny. I need to get, you guys need to make dot .bedrock a real thing. Just for, just for the walls. I got Michael up here to speak, pulling pulling an audible here. Mike, do you want to say anything? Yeah, you're making sure you're making sure I was paying attention. Yeah. No, Michael's busy tracking tracking the leaderboard and making sure that people are actually, you know, not Sybils yeah. attacking. Yeah. The program. I do want to, yeah, as well. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I'd say like, yeah, most if not all the design was all all from Rainbow's idea. I know they came with like this whole structure of the leaderboard and. Yeah, I think from our side, it's just like, wow, a lot of thought went into this. Seems really cool. So awesome to see it go live now. But definitely credit to the, the Rainbow team for doing all the creativity and stuff for this. And for folks in the space right now, I have pinned the tweet from Rainbow that, that goes into the details of this program. If you're listening to this as a podcast later, no worries. There's a page. It's learn.rainbow.me slash op-rewards-with-rainbow. Kind of a long URL, but I'm sure you can find it just from the Rainbow website. Oh, one last thing, Mike. Do you want to talk about the browser extension? I don't think we talked about that. Yeah. Yet. So yeah, gang, I hinted at it at the beginning of the of the show, but Rainbow is very close here to launching our new browser extension product. So what that means is Rainbow is about to become a wholesale replacement for MetaMask. Woo. So like you don't need to have MetaMask anymore, gang. Very soon, we're going to be launching the Rainbow Browser extension by the end of the quarter. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be freaking sweet. All of the best, the things that you love most about Rainbow, the mobile app are going to be built into the browser extension. So awesome things like the way that we that we handle networks, for example, you know, where it's like all of your assets are shown in one unified interface. And the way that we handle like switching between networks is is it's just so much better than than other wallets like MetaMask. But yeah, if you go to rainbow.me slash waitlist, you can sign up for the waitlist. And let me think. Yeah, other things about the browser extension though. So it is it's gonna be something, you know, if you've used MetaMask before, you're gonna find that Rainbow is just far more like simple and intuitive. You know, it's you know, even if you're a beginner. But I'm going to say that we definitely have a number of features in the browser extension that power users are going to love. So really excited to get the browser extension into the hands of all of you nerds out there. But yeah, some some cool features to kind of talk to are, so it's going to be uh, the keyboard shortcuts of the browser extension are going to be just mm, like amazing. So people out there who are kind of like, hardcore keyboard shortcut users, you're going to really like the Rainbow Browser extension. Other cool things, though, we have an amazing support for importing all of your user settings from MetaMask. So like getting started with the Rainbow Browser extension is like really, really smooth, even if you've spent a lot of time configuring MetaMask to be, you know, exactly how you want it. Rainbow will just like, you know, it lets you just drag and drop those settings right in. 
And then the, I guess the last thing I want to say about it is the browser extension, rainbow browser extension is particularly amazing for people who have like a ton of wallets. So all your power users out there with like dozens of wallets, rainbow browser extension is for you. It makes juggling those wallets super easy. You can switch between them super smoothly with keyboard shortcuts. You're going to love it. Check it out. And who knows? Maybe we'll, you know, maybe we will, uh, you should, you know, if you guys are interested in the browser extension, maybe, maybe take advantage of the rainbow OP rewards right now. Maybe bridge or swap on optimism. And who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll get earlier access to the browser extension. Never know. Very cool. And I like this idea of the, the, the app being more for your, for your more novice users. And then the browser extension having these more power user features, these more expert features. I think that's a very interesting strategy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so to be clear, right? Like I'm, I think I'm probably a power user. I'm, I'm certainly a power user, but I actually do most of my activity from my phone. Um, so we don't want to make the mobile app seem like it's just for beginners because frankly, I do most of my activity from the mobile app. But yeah, we definitely see a natural kind of split in, in the user personas between like the average mobile user and the average desktop user where, yeah, we definitely think that power users are really doing most of their activity on desktop. So yeah, the browser extension is, is built with them. And copy that. Okay. I feel like we're kind of winding down here, Mike, on behalf of myself and, and the team at OP Labs and Optimism, I just want to say this is a real pleasure and, you know, we really appreciate and value this partnership and looking forward to more, to, to working together more in the future. Unless my colleagues, Mike and, and Vivian or, or Mike, you have anything else to add? I think we'll close this episode of OP. I'm just so optimistic about the future right now, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having Us me too. back. My pleasure. Totally our pleasure. This is a great conversation and we'll have to have you back on sometime soon. Hell yeah, everybody. Follow rainbow.me on Twitter. Thanks for having me. You gotta Thanks get again. everyone you gotta give everyone some zorbs if they follow you, Mike. Not yeah. Follow Rainbow. Ooh. Ooh, follow follow Rainbow. I don't know if we have enough zorbs for everybody. Oh, that's a good problem. We can do something about that yeah okay we yeah, can do like a zorb v2 yeah. Ooh, yeah let's let's talk about that rainbow drop on optimism let's make it happen Ooh, let's do it i am looking forward to viewing my soon-to-be zorb in my rainbow wallet rain rain optimism okay we're gonna work on that zoptimism make, make it rainbow <laughs> oh mic drop all right, guys. <laughs> I'm going to close this one out. Have a great rest of your day. Stay optimistic. <laughs> See you all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.